Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. I want to just encourage you today as you come and join us on this podcast. It's such a privilege for Walt and me to study God's Word with you each week. And we've been talking about water uh, throughout the past weeks. And when we think about water, well, we just had a thunderstorm this afternoon, so we had water pouring down from the sky, but it's also found in oceans and lakes, ponds, rivers, streams, babbling brooks. And we know, we've read of people in the Bible who have dug wells through past years. For instance, Abraham, we still see his well when we go down to Beersheba in in Israel. And Isaac was there at that well. Other wells dug throughout the land. Today, we want to visit one of the wells dug by Jacob located in the central part of Israel in an area known in the New Testament times as Samaria. So we're going to turn into our Bibles and look at John chapter 4. And this story is involved. It's filled with a wide variety of details. But we want to especially focus our lesson today on what the Lord is teaching through the use of water. So let's begin here. Jesus, at the end of chapter 3 in John's Gospel, he was in Jerusalem, and now it's time he's going to depart from Jerusalem and return again up to the Galilee region. And so as we begin in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, "...and he had to pass through Samaria." So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being weary from his journey, was sitting by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And you know, Brenda, even as you're you're saying that, those passages of Scripture, Jesus and his, his disciples left Jerusalem following Passover. And, and they were to come down during Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, representatives from every family. And being a good Jewish teacher, and of course Jesus was far more than that, a rabbi, but he walked north into the region of Judea. And it says that he had to pass through Samaria. Why? I mean, that's not the only road, and, and we'll talk about that later. But he's not passing through there because that's even the, the only road or the shortest road, which it it was going back up to Galilee, but Jesus had a God-ordained appointment. Jesus knew because he was omniscient. God was leading him someplace. And, you know, even as I'm saying that, I'm, I'm convinced that God regularly schedules appointments that he desires believers to engage in. You know, sometimes these are with other believers. Sometimes they're with unbelievers. You know, for example, uh, Brenda, I was telling you, just this week, I had a conversation with a neighbor. Now, we've only lived here about a year, and we've only ever exchanged pleasantries. Hi, how are you doing? Um, nice day, cold day, those kinds of things. But something happened that opened up a conversation about a deep hurt in he and his wife's life. 
And all of a sudden, I was part of a God-ordained appointment. The same thing happened today at church. Someone said something, and I responded. And the next thing you know, we're in this deep conversation. And I said, let's do breakfast. I, I want to hear more about that. I want to know how more I can pray for you. And I ask myself, and I ask you this question, because I don't always do this well, but do we take the time to participate in those moments, or do we just ignore them and continue with our own agenda and our own busy lives? Um, and I'm even convicted. I, I Even today, I, I feel like I took the time, and I'm, I'm kind of glad for that, and we'll see where that goes. Well, going back to our text, Jesus is weary from his journey. Um, he's had a full time of teaching and interacting there um, down in Jerusalem, and he's fully God, but he's also fully man. He gets tired. He gets hungry. And there he is sitting by this well in the middle of the day, the sixth hour at noontime, the hottest time of the day there in the Middle East. And so Jesus, yes, he had to go through Samaria. And I, I always just kind of smile um, out the side of my face there because we do know, just like you said, there was a God-ordained appointment for him. And he knew that because Jesus, what, was about the will of his heavenly Father. And so as we continue in verse 7, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, you can see the puzzle on her face. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink? I'm a Samaritan woman. And you see, the text tells us Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. You see, this is a woman in Samaria. Actually, we are never even told this woman's name, but Jesus notices her in the heat of the day as he's walking north to return to Galilee. In fact, Jesus doesn't, it's not like he just stares at her and kind of shuffles a little bit to the side so that he's not close to her. No, he engages this woman in conversation with a very simple request, give me a drink. Yes, you know, she came to the well of Jacob to fill her water pot, but this woman has a much greater thirst in her life. And Jesus is able to discern the real need of this woman. And so he invites her into conversation. Her heart's truly thirsting for legitimate and authentic relationship. Only Jesus can meet her need. And you know, even as Jesus notices this Samaritan woman, we kind of need to give even a little more of the cultural setting here. You know, throughout most of the gospel records, Jesus would typically depart from Jerusalem, go a little bit north, and then go down um, this valley and, and go down to Jericho. And, it, and from there, he would cross over, go up the Jordan River. That's the way a good Jew normally would, would travel from Jerusalem up, up to the, the Galilee area. And normally, he did not travel through Samaria. You know, the Samaritans were people born out of conflict and really had prejudice there. 
in, in 722 BC, the Assyrian Empire had come in and wiped out the northern ten tribes. And when they did that, they would destroy and kill all the leaders. But what they would also do is they would bring in, they would leave the poorest of the people, and then they would bring in other poor people. They would allow them to kind of form this mixed multitude, and they would then continue to have them there, subjugated for them, and sending out most of what they grew or raised. They would be sending it back to Assyria. And and then this woman, culturally, she's coming to the well alone. This is not what women do would do. They would go to the well together. It was a social time, but it was also a way of protecting themselves that they were in a group. And they didn't come at midday. Normally, they would come in the cool of the morning or in the evening. In the heat of the day to the city, well, that's not the way you would have operated here. Yeah. And we, we we certainly know that from our years in South Texas, because if it was, you know, we were wanting to walk during those really, really warm weeks and months of the summer in South Texas, we we knew that we had had to get up and go for a walk early in the morning, or we waited until the sun set. And, and our boys remember had that lawn mowing business. You don't <laughs> want to mow in the middle of the day. You mow in the, earlier in the morning or late in the evening, just and before sunset. A lot of different nights they were mowing with flashlights. But we digress. So I I just want to go back to the some of those verses that I earlier read before we were talking about some of the specifics of a woman, Samaritan, and all of this timing. But the fact that Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, what does Jesus mean here when he's referring to the gift of God? Well, we have a pretty good idea. But when this woman hears a man saying to her, if you knew the gift of God, you know, this woman has been mistreated in her life, and we're going to read that here in a couple verses. I doubt that she's experienced many gifts or much kindness in these past years of her life. And Jesus says, if you would have asked, if you would have asked me, he would have given you living water. You know, when you ask for something from someone, you have a trust there, right? You believe that they're going to reciprocate, that they'll extend that kindness, that gift to you. And so that makes you very vulnerable if you ask for something you need or want. And that is a probably a very foreign concept to this woman. But I pause here to say Jesus wants her to know he wants us to know that it's okay for us to come to him and ask. In Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Jesus is reaching out to this woman. He is touching the brokenness in her heart. You know, we don't know what caused the damage, the harm in her heart, but Jesus had a conversation with her at the well He's pointing her toward the gift of God, toward that living water. He's using that picture of the water at the well for her. Jesus said to her, him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well? And Jesus answered and said, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water I will give him shall never thirst. 
but the water I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. You know, she points out the obvious to Jesus, right? You don't have a jug. You don't have a water pot. No container in your hand. I don't know how you think you're going to draw water out of this well and give me living water. How how could you possibly get this living water? And she's she's actually asking, is there a spring close by? Because well water isn't necessarily living water. But Jesus points to the well and says, if you drink this water, this water, you're going to be thirsty again. However, the water I offer will satisfy. It will satisfy your thirst and it will spring up to eternal life. Yeah, and he says it's going to spring up in, inside of you, and it's going to be different. You know, when Jesus refers to living water, this woman would have had a category for that. She envisioned a spring um, flowing with fresh water. That's living water, much better in quality than well water. Uh, growing up, we had a well, and when it got real dry at the end of August, sometimes our well would dry up or we would have less. And, and she's saying, where is this better water? But Jesus is talking about something greater than just mere water. And, you know, water is so important in Israel. We always talk about where there's water, there's life. And in the middle of a June trip, we say, drink your water. It's important. But there's something even more important than Jesus is doing here. You know, in a few weeks, we'll talk even more about this other category for living water. But I just want to reference this and get you ready for it. This is a passage in Zechariah 14.8, where he writes, in a future day, when God comes and sets all things right, he says, and in that day, living waters will flow out of Jerusalem, half of them towards the eastern sea, the other half towards the western sea, and it will be in summer as well as winter. They'll flow all the time. And again, that kind of water is getting us ready for this time of blessing. Well, going back to our text in verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to this well well to to draw water. And he said to her, go and call your husband and come here. And the woman answered, and she said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have answered correctly. I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one who you now have, the one who you now are living with, it's not your husband. This you have said truly. You know, and she says, sir, I'd like to have this water. Give me this physical water. I don't want to come out to the well. This is a place of shame. This is a place of guilt. I've got to come here when no one else is here so that they don't make fun of me. And, and this will satisfy my physical thirst for the moment. And, and why? I'd love to come here and, and not have to come here. I'd, I'd love to just have this in my own home. When Jesus says, go and call your husband, what he's signaling is, I, I, I want you to think about something else. I want to think about what God has been doing in your life. He knows all about her. Jesus knows all about her. He knows all about you. He knows all about me. He knows our dirty little secrets that we work diligently to keep hidden in the back of our closets. And even though he knows all of these details, he will not push her away. He's not pushing you or me away. He's not going to turn his back on you. You know, we are all broken. We're all sinners, and we all need something from Jesus. We need him to set our lives right. Yeah, and even as, you know, you share that, well, you know, you 
you and I have talked quite a bit as we've worked through these verses over the past few days. And, um, you know, you're involved in a men's group, Conquerors at Church. And so, yes, in this particular story, Jesus is speaking to a woman at the well. But we have to remember, she had five husbands, and she's now living with a man. There were men involved in this woman's life, and they also had those dark secrets and and hurts and brokenness in their lives as well even though they are men. So this doesn't just apply to a woman who has a um, hard past that's filled with a lot of shame and guilt and wrongdoing, but we know men are guilty as well. We are all sinners, all have sinned and fallen short of the the uh, mercy, the glory of God and what he wants for us. You know, we see that Jesus is so approachable. He is safe. He's kind and loving. He's tender with the truth about her life. He doesn't, he doesn't shoot it at her like arrows, right? Um, I want to pause and just ask a question. Do you feel like you don't belong? Are you that odd person, the one who doesn't maybe make enough money, doesn't live in a nice enough house? You didn't get the right education and you don't have the impressive job title, or perhaps your life choices have been poor, whether you're a woman or a man, and you've been shunned because you didn't do it right. In fact, you've made mistakes, a lot of mistakes along the way. But the good news is this, Jesus sees you. He wants to have a conversation with you, and he offers his living water to you, his gift of eternal life. You know, Brenda, even as you say this, there's so much more of this story, and time is fleeting. I just want to conclude this with this. So what's the the big point? This woman is there in shame, and and her life has been a mess. Um, Jesus reaches out to her, and what he says to her is he says, um, I have an answer. And so the, the conclusion is, so the woman left her water pot, she went into the city, and she said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? And they, all the men, went out of the city, and they were coming to him. And really, as we go back through the text, what's so amazing is this whole city was changed. This woman with this um, odd time to meet with Jesus, she's been changed. She said, there's something this guy's offering that I've known I've needed. I've tried to find this. You know, and, and when you come there, you're saying, I've lived a messed up life. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. You know, she wanted to be valued, and so do you and I. She wanted to be loved, and so do you and I. We are all broken, and we all have those wounds and scars. And, you know, we all need to come to Jesus. And i just like to close in prayer, just kind of reminding us all of that. Um, Father God, thank you so much that you sent your Son. And, and Lord and Savior Jesus, thank you so much that you met broken people, and you showed them love and mercy and compassion. Lord, the only ones you spoke harshly, you spoke harshly to the proud and the arrogant, the self-righteous, but the broken people, to people like Matthew, a tax collector, to people like this woman at the well, you showed them mercy and grace, and you offered something that could really satisfy way beyond hard relationships. So here's a point to say, 
Lord, I, I want you to, to have more part of my life. I, I don't want to hide these, these deep, dark secrets in a closet. I want to bring them to you, and I want them to be cleansed. Lord Jesus, I truly do love you. We truly love you. Thank you for offering us the gift, this gift of forgiveness, this gift of cleansing, that we can be clean. What a great gift you offer, far more than just some water. So we thank you for that today. In Christ's name, amen. Well, until we meet again, may you continue, may I continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.